Thank you for listening to this podcast that is part of a series dedicated to the 15th edition of Fonds Event. The theme of this year's event is the New World Order. And in this series of nine podcasts, each partner of Fonds Event will present an investment idea that aligns with the New World Order. In this episode, since many companies in the high-yield space are private, there's no clear trigger for extensive ESG reporting. And that is why the high-yield asset class has a low level of ESG coverage. ESG investing in high-yield bonds does requires a little extra from an investor, such as engagement and very precise due diligence. My name is Marije Groen and I'll discuss the opportunities amidst volatility for ESG global high-yield with Loïc de Pierreux, Portfolio Specialist at PGIM Fixed Income. Welcome, Loïc. Hello, Maria. Thank you for the invitation and uh, good to be here. Wonderful to have you. Luik, it's my understanding that you see opportunities amidst volatility for ESG global high yield. I'm wondering, are those ESG specific or are they high yield opportunities in general? So at Pigeon Fixed Income, we see opportunities across the entirety of the global high yield universe. Um, the yield for the Global High Yield Index was at 4% at the start of the year and has now significantly jumped up to 8%. So we are currently in an environment where high yield can actually be called high yield again. At the same time, we believe that defaults will remain relatively low, especially in, in Europe. And we think this represents a real an exciting opportunity for investors with a long-term view. Right. Um, through a credit cycle, one can achieve outperformance in a high-yield strategy. Would you say it's possible to achieve similar results with an ESG high-yield strategy, Loïc? Well, to answer that question, uh, you actually have to look at what are the key drivers of outperformance. In our view, we believe that Achieving outperformance comes from having a consistent bottom-up process, which is rooted in thorough fundamental credit research done by an experienced team and which is supported by strong risk management. We believe we can apply our process across the entire credit space and so also for ESG-focused strategies. Our ESG global high yield strategy has an alpha target of 130 basis points. And we feel comfortable that we can achieve this target across a full credit cycle. The greatest variance that we have for our ESG strategy is a reduction in fossil fuel and gaming exposures, plus various bad actors. As a result, we, remain, we maintain a significant investable universe. And we expect to continue to generate alpha through security selection. Our credit analysts have also, have also always been considering credit material ESG factors into their analysis. But this was before those were actually called ESG. And so ESG is nothing new to our process. Right. 
Yet it's, it's still very early days, we can say, in the ESG high-yield market. Uh, would you say that benefits you as an active global fixed income manager like you are at PGIM Fixed Income? It's true that high-yield issuers still have a lot of progress to make in, in terms of ESG, especially when compared to equities and investment grade. Um, a big part of those issuers are, are, are smaller in size and don't always have the luxury of having their own dedicated ESG teams. We believe that, that PGM can actually play a vital role here. Um, our investment team is the largest within the high yield space. And that effectively means that our analysts and, and sector PMs cover fewer issuers on average. So we really know the issuers that we cover through and through. And this has allowed us to create strong relationships with company management. We've actually been helping issuers on, on which ESG metrics and, and ESG reporting they should be disclosing. And this in turn helps increase the transparency of the high yield market. This is how we can help push meaningful changes and how we can differentiate ourselves from our competitors. We all know the term uh, ESG, but tell us, Loïc, what does it mean exactly to be focusing on environmental, social and governance? Well, um, there are two lenses through which we view ESG and we view both as being very distinct from each other. The first one is ESG risk and the second is ESG impact. ESG risks are risks that we believe can be financially material. ESG impact, on the other hand, is when you look at the material impact of an issuer on the environment or society, whether or not this is immediately credit material. A good example would be that of a German coal plant. There's a significant chance that the German government decides to shut down the plant because of their goal to transition to a greener economy. And this is then viewed as an ESG risk. The coal plant, however, is also a major contributor to climate change and rising sea levels, which could put the Netherlands underwater. Seeing as the plant is in Germany, it's not immediately affected by that, but there's definitely an ESG impact. Uh, ESG impacts and ESG risks are often correlated, but in many cases they're not the same, and that's why we make a clear distinction between the two. So that's how we view uh, ESG at Pigeon Fixed Income. Right. So the clear distinction between impact and risks. Uh, tell us, how do you then integrate those ESG considerations into uh, a global high yield portfolio? Well, here, here it comes back down to the difference between ESG risk and ESG impact. We incorporate ESG risk assessments in all of our investment decisions, regardless of whether or not it's for an ESG strategy. This is because ESG risks can be credit material, and as such, we incorporate them into our own internal credit ratings. Here, we will look at things like the regulatory environment, product quality and safety, uh, bribery and corruption, anti-competitive practices, etc. Uh, this, is, this is different with regards to ESG impact. Uh, at PGM, we actually created our own dedicated ESG impact ratings for clients who seek an additional impact objective for their portfolios. We rate every issuer in the, in the universe with an ESG impact rating uh, ranging from 0 to 100, with 100 representing the best score. This scale is then broken into five categories, 
you have net negative, lagging, balanced, advanced, and net positive. And for our global high yield ESG strategy, we exclude all issuers which are laggards and so which have an impact score of 35 or below. And so this is how we integrate ESG into our portfolios and what we also use as the basis for engagement with these issuers. Mm. And what impact do ESG ratings then have on on relative uh, value determinations, for example? Well, we believe that ESG factors can impact financial performance and relative value, both in a positive or negative way. For our fundamental bottom-up approach to credit analysis, we want our analysts to form a holistic view of an issuer's risk by considering all factors they believe to be credit material. This includes ESG risk, and so this will be part of our internal PGM credit ratings that we have for every issuer in the high-yield universe. These credit ratings will serve as the basis of the monthly relative value meeting between our sector PMs and analysts. During that meeting, they will first rank every issuer within each industry based on their fundamental value. And then our sector PM will overlay his market insight on bond spreads and technical factors to rework this fundamental ranking into a relative value ranking. This helps us to continuously refresh our most attractive portfolio holdings and credit material risks are as such an inherent process, uh, inherent part of that relative value process. We're getting to a uh, next uh, step in this podcast, Loic, which actually is the pitch. You now have the opportunity to convince our listeners why they should actually consider your global high-yield ESG uh, strategy. And for that, we set the clock at four minutes. So I'm going to ask you, are you ready to pitch your strategy? Uh, I'm uh, ready as I can Okay, be. the floor is yours. Well, uh, we believe that PGM Fixed Income can offer an interesting proposition to clients who are interested in investing in high yield. Our high yield strategies have had consistent top quartile long-term performances. And this really comes from our long history of doing bottom-up credit selection and fundamental research analysis. We've been doing this for decades uh, for the general account of our parent company, Prudential Insurance Company of America. And it's really in our DNA. Uh, we have since become one of the largest active fixed income managers in the world. And we really differentiate ourselves from our competitors through our sector PM model, our structured investment process, and our risk management. We've set up our team in such a way that each portfolio manager covers only a specific set of sectors together with a senior and junior credit analyst. This really makes sure that our uh, PMs are sector specialists. And this is also why our high yield strategy has one of the largest, if not the largest uh, teams in the industry. Because of this, our analysts and our sector's PMs spend more time on any single issuer compared to other firms. And we feel this really helps our bottom-up process. Our investment process is also highly structured and is, is really there to make sure that Alpha is consistently driven by our team-based approach. We do this through the help of our relative value process, which is driven uh, by the interaction by, between the dedicated sector PMs and the credit analysts. 
our analyst will first provide a fundamental ranking of all the issuers of a specific industry. And together with the sector PM, the pair of them will then rework this fundamental ranking into the relative value ranking by incorporating the market knowledge from the PM. This will then subsequently inform our overweights and underweights. We have to have an opinion on an issuer. Uh, we don't want to be neutral. Uh, all of this is then continuously monitored by our in-depth risk management. Coming out of the insurance industry, this is something we place a great emphasis on. And our risk management team is really part of the high yield desk and will be in constant dialogue with the team on the risk that they are taking. On the other hand, on the ESG front, we also believe that we can differentiate ourselves from our competitors. Um, we have created our own proprietary ESG impact ratings, and these are determined by our credit analysts. We feel that their bottom-up knowledge of the issuers that they cover really makes them the correct people to do the ESG research as, as they're the, actually the ones talking to company management every day and they know these companies through and through. We feel that using our uh, own ESG impact ratings can really help our clients with achieving their specific ESG objectives. Lastly, over it, our overarching to all what I just said, what also sets us apart is our culture. We're a very inclusive company and don't have a star manager approach. People tend to stay with us for a very long time Staff turnover within the teams is very low and we have a lot of portfolio managers and analysts that actually started their career at PGM Fixed Income and also retire at PGM Fixed Income, which is quite exceptional for this industry. Thank you so much for, for pitching this with us, uh, Loïc. And it sounds like adding ESG uh, to your high-yield portfolio is a good idea from what we just heard. Um, of course, I have a couple of critical notes that I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, react on. Um, first uh, note is high-yield is about 3% of the fixed-income universe, but it accounts for about a third of all the emissions. So ESG high-yield is therefore a, a contradiction in, in terminus. Um, well... It is true that the high yield universe has a relatively high exposure to energy. Uh, mo most of that actually coming from US high yield, where energy currently makes up about 15% of the benchmark. But I would actually dispute that figure that a third of all emissions is coming from high yield, as I believe this only looks at direct emissions and doesn't factor in scope three emissions. The investment grade universe consists for about uh, one third of uh, financials, and these have low direct operational emissions, which can make the IG universe look positive from an ESG perspective. But when you actually factor in their financed emissions, this number goes up drastically because they're the ones financing carbon intensive industries. Um, Companies like Unilever also appear a lot better on paper uh, because a lot of their emissions actually happen upstream in their supply chain. The, the emissions that happen on a farm, for example, aren't allocated to Unilever because they don't own those farms. They only buy from them. So applying ESG within high yield is as relevant as it is for other asset classes within fixed income. The main difference is that you have to be more mindful of the 
ESG risks which are present and and, and apply a strong best-in-class approach. For energy, for example, we look at the sector through a framework which generally assigns higher ratings to issuers doing the most to help the transition to a low-carbon economy. We've assigned a lot of issuers within energy with an ESG impact rating, which makes them uninvestable for ESG strategies. But there are definitely a number of companies in the sector that we like and which have taken significant steps on migrating from oil to gas, uh, which have reduced methane and which have responded positively to engagement. Okay, let me give you another one, <laughs> another critical note. Um, the claim that ESG is important to an investment strategy is actually questionable because high-yield investors are not voting shareholders and therefore cannot directly influence and engage with companies. What would you say to that? Well, uh, as a fixed income manager, it is true that unlike equities, uh, we generally don't have ownership rights and, and therefore are not able to use proxy voting. Uh, which is considered to be one of the most effective escalation mechanisms to engage with a company on ESG issues. This does, however, not mean that as a bondholder, we can't engage with companies. Um, our analysts have built up strong relationships with company management over the years, and so we regularly flag ESG concerns with an issuer. We make them aware of how those concerns factor into our investment decision while at the same time gaining a better understanding of what the issuer is doing to address them. Uh, this can increase uh, focus on ESG for the issuer, while at the same time enriching our investment analysis. We also often collaborate with industry groups and other institutional investors to be able to push through changes at a company level. So there are definitely opportunities to directly influence issuers within high yield. Okay, uh, let me give you another one then. Disclosures and information are limited and, and not very often give a comprehensive view of how a company precisely is addressing ESG considerations. Doesn't this make ESG ratings in the high yield universe, let's say, unreliable? Uh, so ESG ratings uh, will always have a subjective component to them. And that's why you often see strong dispersion uh, between the ESG ratings of different data providers in general, not just for high yields. Um, when you would, for example, take an ESG data provider like MSCI, um, their focus is mainly on ESG risk. And, and they have a very formulaic uh, checklist approach to how they create their ESG ratings. Uh, when there is then less public information available, um, this makes it really hard for them to understand the underlying ESG uh, nuances that apply to a specific issuer. This is exactly where we feel that our ESG impact ratings offer better value and reliability because our credit analysts are actually in constant dialogue with these high-yield issuers. And we know them better than MSCI or any other data provider ever could. But of course, in the end, you will always have that subjective component to it and it's up to the client to determine which ESG approach better suits their view of the world. And then doesn't that lead to discussable results in the end if everyone is simply using different benchmarks? So I think that having a continuous discussion around a sensitive topic like ESG is a good thing. Um, there is not one single sustainable truth and ESG is constantly evolving. 
even regulators are still struggling with the definition of what exactly is sustainability. Uh, you can see that with SFDR, where the definition for an Article 8 fund, for example, is still too broad and very open for interpretation. But we shouldn't lose sight of the end goal, and that's moving towards a better and, and more sustainable world. And as long as ESG stays a part of the investment discussion, uh, I would say that's a positive. Got it. Um, Louis, I'd like to take a look at the future with you, uh, similar to what has been done at Fonds Event as well. Um, because an uncertain period lies ahead, can high-yield bonds still provide the consistent income that investors are looking for, basically? I think it's, it's safe to say that we finally started moving out of the low-yield environment of the past couple of years. And, and there are now some real opportunities there. Uh, this year has definitely been challenging for fixed income in general, but there are definitely positives when looking ahead for high yield. If you actually look at uh, returns for high yield over the past 40 years, there has never been a period where you saw two consecutive years of negative total returns. And so there's definitely some main reversion at play. This is especially relevant when you also consider that we believe that the default rate for high yield will remain relatively low at around 3% next year. Uh, global high yield is almost as high quality as it has ever been, with double B-rated issuers now making up 55% of the universe. This makes high yield really interesting for investors looking for consistent income. Okay. Maybe to, to wrap this up, Loic, as a, as a final question, what would you say is the next step for ESG high yield? Um, in, in general, when it comes down to ESG, we would expect the transparency of, of the high yield market to continue to improve. Um, issuers are becoming uh, better aware of ESG and sustainability as investors continue to push them to publish more relevant ESG informations. And these e issuers realize it can also create value for them. And it, an important part of that trend is actually coming from private equity sponsors. Uh, these companies play a pivotal role in the high yield market, and they've actually been building out their own ESG teams. So private equity is really starting to jump on ESG integration. And with their resources, they can help push ESG standards for high yield closer to that of investment grade firms. Uh, ESG is now becoming a mainstream consideration and as new ESG policies get implemented across the industry, we should see transparency improve too. Thank you so much, uh, Loic, for being here with me and for talking with me about ESG and high yield strategies. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I would like to thank today's guest, Loic de Pierreux, for his insights on the global ESG high yield investment universe. This podcast is offered to you by PGIM Investments, and it was recorded as part of a series dedicated to Fonts Event 2022. For more podcasts, please visit the Fonts Event website, fontsevent.nl. And if you'd like to know more about PGIM's high-yield capabilities, please visit pgimfunds.com. Disclaimer. Past performance does not predict future returns. 
Target objectives and downside protection cannot be guaranteed. PGIM's ESG processes, rankings and factors may change over time. ESG investing is qualitative and subjective by nature. There is no guarantee that the criteria used or judgment exercised by PGIM fixed income will reflect the beliefs or values of any investor. Information regarding ESG practices is obtained through third-party reporting, which may not be accurate or complete, and PGIM fixed income depends on this information to evaluate a company's commitment to, or implementation of ESG practices. ESG norms differ by region. There is no assurance that PGIM fixed income's ESG investing techniques will be successful. For professional investors only, all investments involve risk, including the possible loss of capital. The views expressed by PGIM are not intended to constitute investment advice, were accurate at the time of recording and are subject to change. References to specific securities and their issuers are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. In the United Kingdom, this is a financial promotion issued by PGIM Limited. PGIM Limited is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority of the United Kingdom with firm reference number 193418. In the European Economic Area, this is a financial promotion issued by PGIM Netherlands BV. PGIM Netherlands BV is authorized by the Autoritate Financiel Markten AFM, in the Netherlands with registration number 15003620 and operates on the basis of a European passport. Prudential Financial Inc. of the United States is not affiliated in any manner with Prudential PLC Incorporated in the United Kingdom or with Prudential Assurance Company, a subsidiary of M&G PLC Incorporated in the United Kingdom. <laughs>